How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to be able to sit down and be able to capture this with you. It's, it's been a while since you were in Seattle, I That's think. That's right. I think January. Yeah. 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 And you, um, and we actually got, had you come two, two times. Right. Um, and that was so much fun and, and having you come and having Lynn come. Right. And, uh, and now here we are in uh, Moravian Falls. Right. And right outside this window is actually where where Bob is buried. That's right. And so Just we a may see field away. <laughs> we may see people going out there. Absolutely. And and I didn't realize it when we kind of picked this setting here for for the backdrop. I, I thought finding that out. I thought, man, that's really special to be able to have that for our for our backdrop. You need to go visit. I haven't been out there yet. Well, you need to. I, I will. It's the dry bones come to life. <laughs> come on. Right. I'll go lay on, 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 on the ground. Well, don't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think some people do, seriously. But. You, you heard how, how Bethel was getting in trouble for the whole um, grave-sucking thing? Did you hear about no, that? Oh, no. my goodness. Because there was, like, Bethel students that were going out to, like, um, famous revivalist graves okay. and laying on the graves, right? Yeah. So that got out that, you know, Bethelites were Bethelite. grave sucking, yeah. you know, and the critics didn't take kindly no, to that. People did that with John G. Lake. Oh, right. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know people have to do that here. Some some do. Some put little trinkets out there. Oh, yeah. 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 But, um, you know, it's okay. Well, in Seattle, we have, well, actually, right by our church is Jimi Hendrix's grave. So oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so Jimmy was raised about five minutes from our from our from our church, yeah. and if you go out to his grave, it's like a it's like a Buddhist temple. I mean, it's like a full on <laughs> temple. You know, it's just yeah. it's incredible. So that's what that's what my <clears throat> grave's going to look like. The Buddhist yeah. temple. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a huge Darren shrine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> hey, uh, so 2019. Yes. Like we're we're in it now. Here. We and, are. Um, and you and so now. Um, Bob would do a shepherd's rod, right? And um, and then uh, you guys talked and everything about you continuing in that. That's right. Yeah, and I'll explain a little bit about that. Um, I don't even know how many years. I don't know when Bob started with the shepherd's rod. Probably back in the seventies. Okay. And at first, it was just kind of handwritten on you know, notebook paper. Mm -hmm. And then some people later ran it kind of mimeograph machines. And then later, Paul Keith came into the picture and he started putting it in book form. And then later, I think it was 2008, Keith said, I think you're supposed to do this. I'm like, what? So, you know, we did. And, and my son started, you know, putting things together for us. But in um, January of 2013, Bob was on dialysis. Oh, wow. And his doctors came to me and they said 
that at some point, like this is as good as Bob's going to get, and at some point we won't be able to dialyze him anymore. Mm. And when that happens, he'll only live two to three days. So I kept that in the back of my mind. And um, in April that year, it was like April 11th, the Lord gave me this like open vision. It was him carrying Bob in his arms out of our house. Wow. And took him outside and placed him in his car. And then I got in our car, and we were going opposite directions. And Bob looked at me, and he said, I want you to continue the shepherd's ride. Wow. wow. So I knew I knew then that the Lord was showing me that he's preparing to take Bob home. It's like the doctors were preparing me, and the Lord was preparing me. So <clears throat> when he passed, I knew that was something I needed to continue to do. Wow. And it's, it's kind of like a, a release or commissioning, you know. So I've continued to do that. And what I found, and even when Bob was, you know, living, a lot of times the Lord would have us go back and look at, um, like in 09, he said, I'm hitting hard the 99 shepherd's rod. And we would go back and see, you know, what was the Lord speaking about then? And we would include that. But I see now that, like for this year, year um this was the melchizedek priesthood oh interesting yeah and this was funny several months after bob passed which was you know valentine's day of 14 um there was a a young lady who sent me some pamphlets and booklets and and part of that was a transcript as a three one hour transcripts of in the interview mike bickle did with bob in um 1988 Wow. Okay. But at that time, like I said, just shortly after Bob passed, I wasn't ready to read it. I started looking at it. I'm like, I can't deal with it right now. Wow. So I put the box in my closet. And honest, I forgot about it. And last fall, I was um, in the closet. You know, I was coming out of the closet. So I was in the closet. (laughs) Here's this box. And I'm like, what is in this box? I thought it was shoes. And I opened it up, and here's this transcript. So I started reading it. Oh, my goodness. in this transcript, Bob is talking about um, the generation that he was addressing then. So there was 30 years had passed, and 30 being the number of the priesthood. Yeah. So he's talking about the generation he was addressing then was the fivefold. He said, I'm speaking to the fivefold ministry now. Wow. But what is coming after you, he called it the generation of perfection. Wow. Or the Melchizedek priesthood. Wow. So I thought... This was the timing because what the Lord had spoke to me just maybe a week or so before that was he said he was revealing himself now through Psalms 110, which is about the Melchizedek priesthood. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought this was, I knew the Lord was really speaking to me in this. And so it is, uh, you know, that Melchizedek priesthood, it is the ministry of perfection. They're the ones that are going to be the fearless Leaders. What did he call it? The, the generation of perfection? Perfection. That's interesting. It is, yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot in that. And if you read the Shepherd's Rod, you know, it's what each generation has gone through different trials mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and temptations, what have you. And, and each one prepared the next generation. Yeah. Okay. And there's always that remnant of the past generation that goes forward. So the the people who were part of the uh, fivefold, mm-hmm. and I feel you know we're still in that, but now this generation that's coming up, it is it's the Melchizedek, and they will walk in. Um, they won't be the the warriors 
like David was. Yeah. They'll be like the the king, like Solomon was. Wow. Okay. So. Wow. And there's there's just a lot in all of that, you know. But it, it is the Melchizedek priest. But it, it is time that we put all of the enemies under our feet. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that do it, you know. I yeah. Think we've been waiting for somebody else to do it, but it's it's us. Yeah. It's interesting also just as far as the definition of well the the there's kind of a lot of controversy around interpreting um <clears throat> the name Melchizedek and the mm-hmm. right interpretation and application for that name. Uh for example, I've heard some scholars say that Melchizedek that that was his name and then other scholars say it, that was actually the function, like his his mm-hmm. his priestly function. Mm-hmm. But most most scholars would agree that Melchizedek, the, the the definition of that would be the king of righteousness. Right. Absolutely. And so as far as how that ties in with with with, with the generation uh, right now and the emphasis on on righteousness and and mm. and uh, not just righteousness as a concept, but the importance of the kind of righteousness that produces righteous living, right. and how that would tie into perfection, right. is 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 amazing. So it's like sometimes I think that righteousness can be almost kind of a condemning concept because <laughs> when we compare ourselves to perfection, we might feel condemned. Right. Versus like the benediction of Jesus that we would be perfect as He is perfect. Right. It's actually an invitation by grace to, to to for us to be enabled to achieve this incredibly high standard. That's that's true. And you know, Bob had a saying. He said, "You're, you're perfect while being perfected." Wow. So, and we are. We're constantly being perfected into the likeness of Jesus Christ, you know. And, um, you know, it's so much more than just being saved and going to heaven. I think the body of Christ perhaps has been misled over the years. Wow. Like, that's only your ticket. Wow. You know. And, and it is a ticket, right? Yeah. But there's so much more. It's an invitation to become like him. And, you know, like we heard Bobby Connor this morning talking about communion. Mm. You know, I like to take communion every day because it's really that that time of real intimacy with the Lord, you know. And I, I find that it's being expanded all the time as I'm, I'm, you know, in that place of intimacy with the Lord. Just really, you know, it's, I'm more communing now, not just wow. on a personal level, but for the body of Christ. Wow. You know, but uh, but yeah, we we need that, you know, and I think there's it keeps us accountable. Mm. And I always like to ask the Lord like what is there in me? Wow. That's wow. not of you. Yeah. You know, cuz I want I want to get rid of all my stuff. Yeah, that's right. At least most of it. No. Yeah, but I want to right. get all, I want to keep my Scrabble game if I can have that, but you know. <laughs> but, you know, get rid of all the stuff I don't need and then all the things that he has every part of him is what what i want yeah you know the fullness because we have it it's available but well i think of communion as far as uh partaking receiving participating Mm -hmm. in in the perfect right and also the remind the reminder that we're not condemned by our by our imperfection but that we can actually receive and participate in our union and and, in his perfection so that's such a great reminder uh, uh, and what you're talking about, as far as almost the daily accountability, mm-hmm. that uh, to to contra- contrast ourselves right. with 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 the Son who had such great love hung on the cross for yeah. for our sins, yeah. and that it's a reminder to take personal inventory. It is, it is, and you know what? I mean, <laughs> he has definitely reminded me of things I needed to get rid of. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh. You wow. Know? But I mean, we need that. You know, he's he's a good daddy, right? He yeah, amen. tell us, but you know, we want to be we want to be that person of love. And that's who, you know, we want to become like Christ. I know the Lord told me years ago, he said he was upset because people are calling them Christians and they're not. He said to be a Christian is to take on my nature. Wow. So they're they're using his name in vain because they're saying they're a Christian, but they, they are not. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, you know, yeah, absolutely. We need to be Christ like, you know, in all things we do, and we probably talk about that too, is walking in love and mm-hmm. see people through his eyes and through his love. Yeah. And so I always ask for, you know, daily is, you know, let me I want to love him like he loves me, if that's possible, you know, <laughs> and to love his people like he loves them, and to love the unlovely. Wow. Because there's a lot of people that, you know, we cast them aside because they're different, you know. And, yeah. Um, especially homeless people or people with disabilities, they, we just turn our head. It's easier to turn your head and walk the other way than it is to lend a hand. That's right. You know? That's right. So. You know, it would seem as though um, there's a there's a a real emphasis right now on, and I don't know if it's like a coming wave of sovereign judgment on on the church or <clears throat> on the world or all, or option D, all of the above. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't know if it's like a, a coming wave, if, if it's a if it's a if it's a present wave. Um, I also know that that we do see prophetically these tides of of the judgment mercy of God, and I had a very interesting short conversation with Don Potter yesterday out in the really? lobby, yeah. and he was saying to me, he said, you know, we're about to enter into a season of judgment, and he was talking about the responsibility of minstrels to come before the Lord Mm -hmm. because that worship actually has the ability to trigger the kindness of God. And he said that that's going to be a very important part of the psalmist and minstrels. I I, I believe that. That'd be an interesting, you know. But my question for you, Bonnie, is is because you've been around a while and and you had a very... um, in let's just say an interesting relationship with <laughs> with Bob and and so uh, when you think about the the judgment of God and when you think about uh, entering into seasons of that um, how do you uh, how do you balance that with with the love of God and it does the and 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 do you feel any tension when when that particular conversation comes I just wonder sometimes if if we <clears throat> have our if we have our our worldview sometimes set incorrectly regarding the judgment of God. I think we do. I'd like to call it the justice of God okay. as opposed to the judgment That's of good. God. That's good. But his last judgment is mercy. Wow. You know? Wow. Um, but I think, you know, you start talking about the wave. Mm. I think <laughs> I think the church has been in an undertow, you know? Oh. Yeah. And that undertow, it's got to go out, right, before it can come in. In a rip current. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... Um, I think because the church has not been right, walking in righteousness and justice. Wow. Okay. Wow. There will be, if you want to call it judgment, <clears throat> it has to come to the house of God first. Amen. You know, he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Amen. And right now she's an old dried up prune. You know, <laughs> he wants to kiss somebody that's lovely and beautiful. Amen. Right? Amen. And that's something he spoke to me this morning. Like, 
he wants to come for a beautiful bride. Wow. And right now she is rather ugly. Wow. Because it's we haven't dealt with things justly in the body of Christ. Yeah. So I know some time ago he had told me that <laughs> that we're going to see the church shattered. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think we're going to see that. We have seen it in the past, but it, it's got to happen. The judgment or justice has to come. Yeah. You know, we have to have righteous leaders. Yeah. And and Bobby was addressing that this morning. Um, what comes from the pulpit mm-hmm. can either guide the, the body the right way or can contaminate it. That's right. That's right. Know? That's right. And so we have to get our doctrine straight. Yeah. There are, I believe, leaders that need to be removed. Mm-hmm. And um, there needs to be justice, God's justice, in place. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, that Melchizedek priesthood, that's what these young ones that are coming forth now, they are not going to walk in the filth that the body of Christ is allowed into the church. Yeah, that's true. Know? That's true. So if you give a little bit, little leaven, leaven's a whole loaf, right? Yeah, exactly. It seems like within the next generation, there's 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 high regard or appreciation for moral right. uh, consistency, right? And um, and there's a, and there's very low regard for moral in, inconsistency. Right. It's almost like um, you can do whatever you want, but you have to be consistent in it. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Coming from the world in the next generation, yeah. it's like, hey, if you if you want to make unwise choices. That that's fine, but don't be professing to make wise choices. Right. You know, yeah. I think of David Letterman. You know, there was a scandal that came out with him a couple of years ago, and he kind of laughed about it because he said, "What do you expect? I've never, I've never claimed to be a priest." And so people, mm. people, uh, they were okay with that because there was just this consistency of, "What do you expect?" Right. But right. when when the local when the you know, it's kind of like I heard this analogy before when the, if a local bartender gets drunk and crashes his car into a tree, it doesn't make the news because right. everybody knew it was just a matter of time until <clears throat> old Joe old Joe actually you know hit yeah, a tree right. while driving. But if the local pastor gets drunk yeah, and crashes story. his car into a tree, yeah. that's going to make it on the front page, absolutely. right? Because of inconsistency. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Bobby was talking. Um, you know, I thought this is. I've heard that, I've heard him say this before. He shared this with me privately, but he said. The Lord used Bonnie to add many, many years <laughs> to Bob's to Bob's life, uh, and um, it's just it's just so cool to see the gift that that you were uh, to Bob. I know that you're a gift to the earth. You're a gift to the kingdom. <laughs> um, but my question for you is: Did you ever have any sort of sense that God was kind of preparing you well. for that particular assignment? <laughs> You want the backstory on that one too? That would be I awesome. Love backstories, okay. <laughs> sure. This is the story, like, you know, the story yeah, behind the story. Heather Hopper from Hollywood years ago. You're too young to remember that. But <clears throat> well, you know, <laughs> the Lord sent me to Alaska in uh, the fall of 2004. Okay, and so I'm there. This is exciting. I think you know, and uh, it was really wonderful, Homer, Alaska. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it there. Halibut fishing capital yeah, of the world. I know, I know. And the eagle capital of the world. Oh, yeah, wow, yeah. yeah. The largest gathering of eagles there. Wow. So, but it was really awesome. And um, no, it was de- in November <clears throat> that year, the Lord showed me. It's like sometimes he writes things with his finger. Yeah. And what he showed me was Bob Jones Sears Academy. Oh. And I thought, wow, okay. You know, wow. what do I know? Wow. So. I think this is something new Bob is going to do. What do I know? Yeah. 
And then uh, December 16th, he spoke to me about three people, Bob Jones, Hillary Clinton, and Dick Clark. Now, what crew is that's that? A, that's a book, that's a book title. And, I know. Bob Jones, Hillary Clinton, <laughs> Dick Clark. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but what he said to me about Bob was, and he told me there was going to be a tsunami. Wow. And 10 days later, it hit Indonesia. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So, okay, but what he said about Bob, he said, most people mock Bob Jones, and when they mock Bob Jones, they mock my Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah. And he said, but today, I elevate him to first class and bring you along beside him. Oh, my goodness. So, I thought he meant to go to Bob Jones Sears Academy, right? Yeah. This is me and my yeah. higher intelligence that I had. So, and then he asked me if I would begin to pray to extend years to Bob's life. Wow. He said, yes, I want Bob with me, but I need him there to raise up the body of Christ. Wow. And I said, yes, Lord, you know, pray to extend years to his life. Wow. So I thought I was on a secret mission, you know, and the Lord had me doing a lot of fasting. <laughs> like you and were just going to be a prayer warrior. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I was really <laughs> hidden away there anyhow, right. you know. And... Um, and so and so I did, and I spent you know hours every day praying for Bob Jones. Wow, that's incredible! <laughs> and nobody knew that, just me and God, right? And then um, in March, March twenty first of '05, you know, Viola went home to be with the Lord, and yeah. one of my friends wrote and told me, and I'm like, oh my gosh! So I began to pray more intently for Bob, but in that period of time, and for years actually, the Lord was giving me dreams and visions, etc., regarding Bob, and even wow. some experiences, which was really, we usually went flying in a red convertible, and Bob was always driving, his little white hair. In was, the dream? In the That's dream, what you'd yeah, see. Yeah, we would be flying in a red convertible with the top down, and his little white hair, he'd be driving, his little white hair, with little feathers were blowing in the wind. Oh my goodness, you know, so, wow. But they were always these like experiences. So... Back to, you know, December, when the Lord speaks this to me, you know, I think I'm on a secret mission praying for Bob. Little did I know, I was actually praying to extend years to his, my husband's life. That's incredible. You know, and then um, he sent me home in May, but just before he sent me home, he had given me some dreams, but he spoke to me, and he said, um, out of the dust of the earth come a company of Elijah's. Elisha's follow. Wow. And he said, I'm, I'm sending you home to raise them up. Wow. Okay? And then, it's like several days later, he said to me that Bob Jones would be my helpmate. And I, because I'm writing this down, I said, Lord, this, this sounds like you mean a husband. If it's your will, I accept, however, it's not mine. And then I said, but when will I study with him? Because he promised me like three years earlier that I would study with Bob. So, anyhow, so I wrote The Lord it down. promised you that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um and had you even had you met Well, I saw him there at church in okay. Biola and I did have a mini conversation with him probably 5 years earlier cuz I did, you know what, is at a conference and I asked him at the end of the conference, I said, "Would you pray for me?" And yeah. he said, "Yes." And he had me put my hands out. Yeah. And he put his fingertips on mine this is what he said I have my eyes closed waiting for this big prophecy and he said you're there that was it and I waited and I turned around he was gone you're there yeah wow. after we're married wow. for a while I asked him about that he said you're already there you know the third heaven wow. you're already there yeah but 
back to my you know experience here when the lord spoke this to me about him being my helpmate yeah <clears throat> okay i was accepting if you mean it's a husband i accept it but it's not my plan yeah you know but i said when will i study with bob so from that um i i wrote it i typed it i probably read it and i put it away because I was just, it was me and Jesus, period. Sure. There was no sure. man in my life, all right? <laughs> so this was May of 05, and then I didn't meet really meet Bob until November that year. Wow. So um, that came through a prophecy. But anyhow, you know, in the meantime, you know, Viola had passed, and Bob had moved from Statesville to Fort Mill, and so... Here I and, am. <laughs> and you met you met Bob and you already had this idea. You already had this word about this helpmate word and you Yeah, but you I did not too... remember it. Oh really? That's a thing. No. That's why I said in my mind uh, The Lord I'm like gone. washed it from you. You're like, okay, I, Lord, and then he's like, not, okay, I'm taking it. I totally <laughs> did not remember that. I didn't because I met Bob, um, he moved down to Fort Mill early in November. And at the same time, I was living with a family, and the Lord put me on a, an eight-day fast, or ten-day fast. And like day five, he gave me this eight-part dream with Bob. Every part of that dream, Bob was in it. And so, and Bob went, I think, to Texas. He came back, and he's at Morningstar, and so was I. Well, I walked in that morning, and this young man came up to me, and he said, uh, the Lord said that you've been praying about where you should go next, which was true. Yeah. Because would, he would send me somewhere, bring me back, and then he'd send me, you know. So I was. And he said, well, the Lord said you're on his prophetic timetable. Mm. And everything about your life, you're to stay where you're at. Everything about your life is going to change. It's like you are in a whirlwind. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. And he said, I mean, everything about your life is going to change. And as he was saying that to me, I looked over his shoulder, and I could see Bob sitting there. And I thought, when this kid's done, I blessed him. And then I, I went over, and I kneeled down by Bob. And I said, excuse me, Mr. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I said, the Lord gave me a dream about you that I didn't understand. And um, even though it was a very lengthy dream, the only thing I said to him was, in the dream, you were in my attic in my home in Ohio, and I asked if I could wash your face. I know washing your feet is biblical, but not your face. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and he looked at me, <clears throat> and he said, you know, Bob, but he said, he looked at me and he said, yeah, you got it. You understand. And I thought, I didn't. And he said, you got it. You understand. I thought, well, I don't. Get, if I understood, I want to come and ask him. So I said, what the heck? I'll just go back to my seat. Holy Spirit will tell me, right? Right. But he knew in that moment that I was the one that the Lord told him that he would marry. Oh, he knew. He right, knew. He knew right yeah. there. Yeah. Because I didn't know till later, but the Lord had given him like two months after Viola passed, his brother passed, and that's why Bob just had lost hope and wanted to go home, and the Lord said, oh, no, wow. I want you to stay alive. You know, I've prepared a woman for you for four years, and here's the detail. She won't be a sister. She won't be um, a daughter, but she'll be a widow, and you'll meet her at Morningstar, and told the age and gave him like 50 details about Oh, my me. goodness. I didn't know I had that many details. <laughs> so... Uh, well, I, actually, I love that because he didn't take that as a, as an opportunity to manipulate right. you in that yeah. situation. Like he didn't say, "I'll," you know. Instead, he just said, 
you 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 know it you or, know you understand and then, he, and then he so yeah. that's kind of cool actually it shows yeah. a, shows such great maturity because you know yeah so but you know i went back to my seat and what have you and like a couple of days later a friend of his who was a friend of mine yeah called and said Bob wanted to hear the rest of your prophecy. He wants you to come to his house. And I thought, oh, this is what I the take Lord it back said. when I was just, no, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, but remember, the Lord had promised me I would study with Bob Jones. I'll tell you, so, you know, I thought he still lived in Statesville and he didn't, you know. So the man gave me his address. I thought, what's well, right around the corner, you know? Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, I didn't have a vehicle. I had to borrow a car to get there and what have you. But I went with my notepad and everything. I am going to study with Bob Jones. So it's funny. He had a house full of people. And okay. he began, you know, he said he wanted me to tell him, you know, this dream. And I did. And um, everybody there knew about the promises Bob had about a wife. Oh, really? So they were just containing themselves not to laugh while I'm telling them this dream. And as I would tell them the dream, because they all knew the promises, and they could all Bob, they could yeah. all kind of see. Yeah, oh, how, they all knew it was me, and I didn't. Oh my goodness! You know? Oh yeah. my goodness! And Bob, you know, always had a habit of saying, "You understand." So as I would tell him my dream, he ended up telling me, you know, what it meant, you know, because you know the beginning of the I won't tell you the whole okay. thing, but the beginning of the dream was that. Well, the beginning of the dream is he was in a tuxedo. Oh. And um, and we were dancing. He took me by the hand, and we were dancing, but he kept stepping on my toes. And he said, you know what that means? And I said, yeah, it means you're not a very good dancer. <laughs> That's what it meant to me. He said, he said no, he was trying to, to catch me, you know. He said, it means intimacy. He said, and he hadn't been intimate with any woman since Viola passed. And I'm wow. like, Okay, you know, yeah, the stepping Awkward. on the toes is that he <laughs> yeah. was, yeah. And this is in front of everyone where he's yeah. interpreting that. I'm the... like, oh, this weirdo man. Anyhow, you know, so as the dream went on, you know, I mean, he explained every part. And the, the thing about washing the face, because in the dream, he was in the attic in my house, sitting on a box, and, and I did. I come over and ask if I could wash his face. Wow. And he got up and walked over. In reality, I had a big box where I had Christmas ornaments. Yeah. In the dream, he kneeled down and put his face on that, you know, like this cheek on the box, and he slid face first in. When he came up, he was laughing. Wow. His little blue eyes were twinkling. He was just smiling. And he said, you know what that means? I'm like, no. And he said, it means at Christmas time, now this is November 16th, at Christmas time, I'm going to get a face of joy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He said, you understand? And I said, yeah. This is what I understood. Viola died in March, and by Christmas this year, he would be coming out of mourning. That's what I thought it meant, and he'd be smiling again. Yeah, right, That's right, what I thought right, it meant. Right. Uh, yeah, I was the face of joy. I didn't get it. Okay? Wow. And then, you know what? Like, after the meeting and everything, I mean, I still did. I just didn't get it. But after the meeting, he invited me to go to lunch with all of them, and, and we did. And when we got there, I went to the bathroom. When I come out, he has he has a seat reserved for me beside him, right? Yeah. And he was so funny because we we're, we're had our first disagreement right there, you know. Anyhow, but he gives me this little piece of paper with his name and his address and his phone number, and he told me I could call him anytime I wanted to. <laughs> And I said, 
I can't get that desperate because <laughs> I didn't call him. It was just me and Jesus, period. Right, yeah. And then to make matters worse, we go back to his place, right? <clears throat> and some of the people left and some were still there. But as they began to leave, yeah. okay, he's sitting. He had you know knee replacement, so it was hard for him to get up. But he's sitting there, and as... As the couples would walk over to him, the men would bend over, shake his hand, but the women would bend over, and they would kiss him on the mouth. What? And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. I started packing my stuff up. I am out of here. You're like, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. I know. When I, when I, well, I, gotta, I start packing like, my stuff. You can kiss my hand, can, Bob. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because it's not me. Anyway. He got up, and I'm like, now what do I do? Because I'm like, oh, no, Mr. Jones, you don't need to do that. He said, no, I want to. I thought, this is bad. So what am I going to do? So when I got over there, <laughs> I thought, I can kiss him right here in the cheek. That's mm-hmm. it. But as I put my cheek out, he just planted one on me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he that dirty in. old man. I was out of there faster than, uh, I don't know. I was gone because I thought, he's just a dirty old man. <laughs> Like, how dare you? Like, Bob, it takes three dates, and then you ask permission. <laughs> well, I just, you know, it's like the next time, because he invited me to come back the next week, and I thought, this is suffering for Jesus. I'm not, this is not what the Lord meant. Studying with Bob Jones, how am I going to do this? This is not how I saw his life being prolonged. I know. I know. And then I said to him the one day, I said, um, did you ever take Morningstar's Dating 101? He said, oh, my goodness. No, because he would sneak up on me at church and plant one on me. So I said, did you take Morningstar's Dating 101? He said, nope, too old. I said, well, my lips are reserved for my husband. He said, yep, I know. Oh, my goodness. Oh <laughs> yeah, my goodness. but I still didn't get him like you, you know. Yeah. But so the Lord finally spoke to me and said, you need to go back and go over all your notes. And that's when I, I read that, you know, he would be my helpmate. Wow. Then honest, you know what, I had to repent. Because I'm like, Lord, you mean this is going to be my husband? Then teach me how to love him like a husband because, wow, you know. And I did. I repented. And, and then I had to look at Bob different. And I'm like, if I'm going to marry him, like, we'll never have anything to talk about. Yeah. So I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But then I thought I knew, and he didn't know, right? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> wow. So. Wow. But yeah, that was that was fun. It was fun. Yeah. And then okay, so um, I mean that, that's incredible, and I love the story. I love the story that Bobby's telling about him, about Bobby and Bob looking down on all the people, oh, yeah. and Bobby saw you in in the green dress. That's he, true. Bobby called you out, and then yeah. I always thought it was, and actually, when Bobby when Bobby tells the story and he shared it here during the school, he said um, that you came up to him. And you said, basically scan me. Because Bobby yeah. talks about how he's able to, under the anointing, he's able to look <laughs> into somebody's eyes and he can look into their past and into their future, which is yeah. oftentimes when he's under the anointing, he mm-hmm. won't he won't look at people's right. eyes. Right. And so very few people would ever, would ever have the courage to walk up to Bobby and say, scan me. You know, yeah. and, uh, and you can tell to this day the great amount of respect you know, and the courage to do, and, and and what did you tell him? Like the reason why? Oh well, I wanted you know oh, wanted Bob's, Bobby's friends to like me. Yeah. You know? Wow. But, wow. And you know what, Bobby and Carolyn, they 
some of after Bob passed, there's some that just dropped me flatter than a pancake. Wow. However, you know, Bobby and Carolyn, they have just loved me. I mean, they really love Bob, and I think they love me equally. Wow. Know? So, yeah. That's so awesome. But, but it, it is. You want your, you know, you want. I didn't know Bob's friends. Yeah. You know, when I was in Alaska, this is what the Lord told me. He he wouldn't allow me to have contact with my friends. Okay. Okay. He said you've obeyed me in all things, but one. I'm like, what, Lord? Yeah. And he said your friends. He said, do you trust me with them? I said yes. He said then you give them to me. You give them to me, and I'll give you mine. I'm like, okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Because my friends, I mean, a lot of them were from. They knew me for you know 50 years, 40 years, whatever. So. And they weren't walking where I was. Yeah. So they weren't able to feed me. And he wanted me to be fed from the right stream. Wow, that's interesting. So, yeah, so I didn't. I didn't have contact with, unless they contacted me. All right? Yeah. So that was good. And and look at the friends he gave me. So that's why I said to Bobby, you know, yes, if what you see in me. And I ask him now, you know, to hold me accountable. If he sees anything I'm saying, doing, whatever, that's that's not right. That's awesome. You know, because yeah. we need that accountability. Yeah, yeah. But, I asked him the same thing, too. He was just with us a couple months ago, and I said, um, Bobby, are you, you tell me. You tell me what you're really seeing. And he goes, if I saw something, you know I'd tell you. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So you guys, so you guys get married, and um, and so now, at, once you're actually married, what was it kind of like? Like, was it kind of as you anticipated? Because I mean, because I, I mean, I think uh, I think that I mean, I mean, Bob Bob is wonderful, wonderful. He's prophet. All of these stories, all these wonderful Bob stories. Mm-hmm. But but I, but I can't imagine being married to him. I mean, I imagine there must, was there was there kind of like. Did you ever get weirded out? Like, like, like this guy's his relationship with God is like almost kind of like how do I fit into this? Um, Maybe weirded out's not the best. No, but you, you know, know what? I mean, I know that the Lord did prepare me, even though I didn't understand it. Yeah, this is another Alaska story. But here's what the Lord said to me one day in Alaska. He said, "Make me a list of what you want in a husband." Wow. And I said, "I don't want one." He said, well, make me a list. I'm like, I don't want one. And I could feel, it's like he had his hand here pressing down on me. And he said, make me a list what you want in a husband. So I'm like, so this is what I wrote. He had to love God above all things. Wow. Okay. He already had to be established in ministry and know more than me so he could teach me. Wow. He couldn't intimidate me. I couldn't intimidate him. Wow. We would minister together, and in all things we did, it was to glorify the Lord. That's beautiful. And I signed my name to it, and I like pushed it across the table. I'm like, he'll never find anybody like that. Wow. But see, he already did. It was me getting my will, you know, in alignment with his will. Yeah. So... And that's exactly, you know, I didn't put... That's incredible. I didn't that's put, an incredible list. I didn't put age or color. All, all the single know? ladies should write that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Not that he has to be in ministry, you know. But, but. But, but, you know, that's that's the thing. And like I said, the very first time that we actually had a meal together with all these other people, that was really our first disagreement. And the, well, he was just wrong, that's all. <laughs> but the people across from him said, you can't talk to Bob Jones that way. I said, but he was wrong. Wow. And that, see, we didn't intimidate each other. Wow, know? wow. And later, it was a couple of years later, the Lord, Bob said, you know, that conversation that day, he did, the Lord showed him that it was. It was something the Lord had showed me 
and then he showed Bob. Wow. So, you know, but but here's the thing. I didn't know what to expect, you know, being married to Bob. Sure. I knew that we married, both of us married out of obedience. And um, I knew the day walking down the aisle, oh my goodness, he was dressed in his tux. He was so handsome. He just was so handsome. And the whole church you know, roared. I heard this sound. I'm like, what is that? But it was when he came out. But I knew when I walked down the aisle that day, I was walking into my destiny. Wow. Because he couldn't complete his walk without me. I mean, I'm, it wasn't me. I'm nobody special. But I'm the one that God chose. And you I absolutely are at, special, Bonnie. Well, you absolutely are special. I just had to look special. at it, though. I'm yeah, the one, absolutely. As Bob would say, out of three billion women on the face of the earth, God chose you. So <laughs> he would tell you. He would tell he you did, that. He did. I need, I need to start yeah. telling my and wife I tell that. Him, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but over a third of them are babies. So anyhow, <laughs> so that's why we got along so well. But anyhow, so uh, but walking down that, you know, I knew. He couldn't complete his walk without me, and I That's couldn't awesome. get to be where I needed to be without him. That's right. So, and we did, you know, I didn't know what it was going to be like, but marrying Bob Jones was marrying the body of Christ. Wow. And wow. that's what I realized. So, it, warfare was intensified, you know, and yeah. I learned that, you know, what the Lord had asked me, would I pray to extend years to his life? We were married in May of 06, and December, November, Thanksgiving of 07, he was, he coded, he was dead, you know. Well, we weren't going to stand for that. Right. You know, so right. did I pray? And some of it meant offending many people because people wanted to just have access to Bob all the time. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't allow that to happen. That's right. You know, his life would have been cut short wow. if I allowed that. So sometimes I just had to put note on the door: no visitors today. So you brought you brought some really good, healthy boundaries I, uh, yeah, to Bob I had to. that that weren't in place there prior. Right, because you know, I mean, he just loved everybody, and didn't matter how bad he felt. If he was awake and breathing, he would talk to them. Wow. And I thought we had to preserve his life. So, I mean, I was staying in prayer and trying to understand, discern people's motives oftentimes. Now, I think you came in, I think you and Bob came to Seattle in um, 2012, I think. I, right, I think it was 12. It was 11 or 12, I yeah. think. And um, one of the things that, and so you guys hadn't really been married that long. No. <laughs> and one, one of the things that, um, <clears throat> I was so impressed by is something that's very very rare so to stay but you and you and Bob would sit together that's right on on the stage mm-hmm. and you guys would minister together right and there was and it, and it was really there's just this wonderful you guys would compliment each other and there was no competition there there's mutual real mutual honor and Bob had been around public ministry for a long, long, long time, and yet it was almost like you were able to enter right into that momentum and acceleration that he was in. But my, my question, Bonnie, is just regarding that that wonderful place of the kind of team ministry that can be modeled through through the the complementary roles uh, that exist within marriage. And so, was that was was that grace there right from day one? Like, did Bob invite you into that, or how did he, that he team did. ministry kind of how did that happen? Well. Um, I think, you know, Bob, when, when I would see him at Morningstar prior to us being married, uh, he usually, he usually had somebody on stage with him. Okay. But I'm saying at Morningstar was usually Rick or Steve Thompson at that point. Yeah. And, um, and then 
um, I think like, I think for years probably he had been seated and usually had like Bob, uh, Bobby Connor or Larry Randolph, Paul Keith Davis, sure. one of them, whoever he's ministering with. He seemed to like having somebody with him. Prior to us getting married, we did a daddy's girl conference. I don't know if you know Kathy Walters, but ah. she would do these conferences and she'd call them daddy's girls because, you know, Papa. So and, yeah. and Bob was a daddy to so many. So, wow. But we did a conference in Charlotte with Kathy Walters and we... You know, that was the first ministry we actually Oh, Kathy did. Walters. Is that right? Walters. Walter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. So I definitely know of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She manifested. She's like Mahesh. It has the glory on her all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. Right. But we did a conference there, and uh, so I think it's just going to be Bob. And he said, no, I want you beside me. Wow. You know, so even prior to us being married, he did. He had me sit beside him. And, I mean, sometimes I didn't share very much, you know, yeah. Sometimes, a little stinker, you know, we would share prior because I'd tell him what I had and what have you, and then yeah. he'd share it, and then he'd say at the end, you "Got anything, honey?" And I'm like, uh, "No." That was mine. Yeah, you already shared this. I mean, what's the point? But you know what? Yeah. But, but yeah, but he did. He wanted he wanted me with him, which, and I think you know he was preparing me as well, you know, for when he would go home whenever that would be wow you know so i think that was part of it but he wanted that um visual for the body of christ and i think you know team ministry is good and to have the husband and wife side by side it's very rare right to see that it is it is but you know it it is good and he would always say i'm the lead man is that what you say yeah i'm the lead man yeah yeah and i even like how you're because i i'd forgotten about that yet that bob would oftentimes minister with bobby or or Mm -hmm. paul keith but even that's a very very rare i mean i cannot think of any ministers right now where that is their preference to to share the stage with other ministers and uh, so that's that was that's a pioneering very ahead of his time i imagine well we may start to see that again because we we talk about team ministry but we're not it but it's usually uh referred to as far as what's happening behind the scenes like the team is happening behind the scenes but we don't Mm -hmm. really get to see an active collaborative form of team ministry actually in our in our conference environments yeah i did some ministry a few months ago out in um where was I? Oregon. And it was interesting because, you know, the one man had the one session and, you know, he did it. It's each time that I had ministries, like I would start out with something, but I'd say, you know, will you come up? Because I knew he had a piece that he could tell a whole lot better than me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, but to bring them up because we do need to work together. Yeah. You know, and that's why sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, Bob would have like, Oh, down in Nashville, he had Ricky Skaggs, Larry Randolph, and um, I'm trying to think who else was there, somebody else, and me. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm like, like, I'm the only girl, you know. But he was, you know, he was getting me familiar with people. Excuse me. You yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <coughs> yeah. But... I was just thinking of, um, we were just with uh, Bonnie Mahesh at, uh, Shabda at the call that they do on Friday nights. And um, and they actually do that really well. Um, oh, they cause do. Because Mahesh will be sitting on the stage and Bonnie will be over on the side with uh, with her mic. Uh-huh. And she'll be like, hey, um, you know, and she'll just interject. And, right. and Mahesh is really good with that. Right, and they flow together so nice. Yeah, know? and they even honor the body and they have the body, you know, they're really yeah. big into those 
collaborative kind of environments and with the, including the people i thought it was really really different yeah. you know yeah no it's great yeah it is yeah, yeah we need to see that more often now what i'd like to do is i'd like to actually go back and read one of the shepherd's rods that bob did prior okay. to collaborating with you okay. and then and then check check out uh the one so what year would it have been that you guys did the first shepherd's rod together uh, 2008. 2008. Yeah, so be eight for 2008, 2009. Yeah. Because I I, I, when I first started reading The Shepherd's Rod, you guys, you guys were already married and collaborating. Right. And there was a real, real grace, real quality on it. And I, I almost wonder if, um, if, it was, if there was almost more of a, a feminine touch or, well, or, or a special kind of grace on yeah, it. I, I almost wonder if it was more what? bullet pointed before. Or? Um, you know, I think it was 2008. For, it was 2008 for 2009. That must have been it. Okay. Yeah, because the Lord said, you know, he wanted, Bob was in the hospital. Oh. Okay? And, oh. yeah, the Lord, uh, isn't he so good? Yeah. He came to me as a big white horse and gave me a kiss. Is that odd? But that's what he said. He wanted wow. me to, to, he said, I'm hitting hard the 99 Shepherd's Rod. And we went back. Now, think about this. This is the fall of 08. Okay. So I took, I found this old Shepherd's Rod, took into Bob, and I'm reading, you know, I'm reading the whole thing to him. What is the Lord talking about? Yeah. We came to the part that was about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And also in that <clears throat> was, um, that out of Indonesia, there was there was the Satan egg that was being cracked open. The what egg? Satan. Oh, really? Yeah, the wow. Satan egg that was it would come to um, maturity and break open, and that's what and it was coming out of Indonesia. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so when Bob heard that, he said, "That's it," because hmm. hmm. Well, we had an election that year. Okay, and uh, let's see who was it? Obama and McCain. Yes, so so you had the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the Satan egg. That's and it was really coming to America. That's really interesting. Yeah. It was coming out of Indonesia to America. You know what's interesting about that is that there's actually a news report done by the BBC on the witch doctors, the high-level witch doctors in Indonesia, mm-hmm. um, that had so much influence in the spirit that political leaders would um, would meet with them in order to find favor in different election processes, and uh, political leaders would pay. Actually, I could I could send you a link to okay. this BBC news thing. It was a little special special story on on the amount of influence that these witch doctors have in Indo. So you have these witch doctors that look like they live in caves, but they actually live in these huge mansions with the most gorgeous cars, and because uh, they're they're paid, I forget how much you know. If local villagers and stuff, they can save their money and come for as little as five hundred bucks. But the politicians, I think they'd spend twenty five, fifty thousand on up in order just to meet for a consultation. But one of the things <laughs> is that this witch doctor, and I, he can say maybe he's telling the truth, maybe he's not. But he he began name dropping the various uh, politicians that he had met with to help out with elections, and President Obama was actually one of them. Hmm. And so that's that's actually really interesting as far as the election cycle and then what you saw coming out of Indonesia, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, send that to me. That's yeah, to that. yeah. I'll send that. <clears throat> you know, you're uh, you're quite a prophetic dreamer. Yeah. So whenever you've come to Seattle, 
you, 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 and I, I want like whenever you travel, is that just a very normal thing? Is that that God just gives you these prophetic dreams? Yeah, you know, I usually dream like every night. Wow. And um, and and a lot of it, you know, the Lord really speaks to me. A lot of it is dreams, and sometimes He just uh, speaks something to me, mm-hmm. you know, which is very interesting as well. But um, yeah, normally. You know, years ago, before I met Bob, I said, you know, I heard that Bob Jones had like three or four or five dreams a night, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm like, so do I, it's like, I need to meet him, I mean, to actually meet him, not just see him on stage, but who would guess I'd be married to him, you know, but that was fun, we'd always have like the battle of the dreams in the morning, like. That's incredible. Yeah, it was. And you don't have any problem, uh, you don't have any problem remembering them, like they're just, they're from the Lord, and and they stick, and you're able to. Normally so, every once in a while, now, this is something Bob told me, because I, I will dream like maybe three, four, five dreams, hmm. and the last one wakes me up. And what it does, when it does, I write that last one down. It's like I'm remembering in reverse. What oh, interesting. I had. So I'm wondering, you know, which way the Lord's giving it to me because yeah. I remember in reverse as I finish the last one, then I remember the next one, what have you. Um, but Bob said, you know, I'm like, why sometimes? I'll have these awesome dreams and then there's something demonic. And this is what he said, and think Mm. about it. Because the devil doesn't know our dreams, but he sees the light. When he sees the light, you know, from the Holy Spirit on us having that dream, that's what he sees. So he'll immediately send something demonic so you forget it. Wow. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is, is if you feel like the, because that was actually the question I was thinking while you're talking is um, the dream realm and it being sanctified or really set aside or if you're out, if you're having to really, um, uh, when you're combing through mm-hmm. your, your, your <clears throat> dreams, if you're having to really comb through with a certain comb of discernment, like if it's hard well, to discern yeah. or if it's actually, or if it's really black and white when you're processing um, through what you've seen. Well, a couple things that I've learned over the years, mm-hmm. and you know, we filter everything through our soul. Yeah. Okay. And even in a, an awesome prophetic dream, your soul can still get in there. You start questioning something in the dream. That's really good. Yeah. But um, I like to pray over my mind before I go to sleep. Okay. And that's what I do, like with my grandbabies. Yeah. Yeah. But I pray over our mind. I like to sanctify your mind. You know, and put the blood of Jesus over it so that it is. It's clean and clear before I go to sleep. Yeah, you know, so I think that's really that good. helps too. But you know, I, I really, and I've had less of those kind of dreams—the demonic dream after the prophetic dream. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it must be working. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and Lynn, how's he doing? I he's mean, doing he very he well. came to Seattle with yeah, with you, and he's he, so fun. And he also really brought. Uh, he was also really a blessing to the ministry as far as what right. he was able to bring and some of his yeah. technical expertise. But he's also uh, very prophetic and really supports awesome you and in, in a lot of the like a partner in, in ministry. Yes, and, yeah, and you know he started putting together the shepherd's rods for us. And um, I think the last year that Bob was alive when we wrote, he actually included you know one of his um, writings. Yeah, and then now since Bob's not here. Lynn and I put it together, and you know he's really growing in um, in his writing. You know he has awesome dreams sometimes. You know, and just like we all should do, you know, search the Lord 
search the scriptures, you know, seek the Lord, search the scriptures, and, and know for sure what the Lord is saying. Some things we need to sit on a little while, you know. Sure, so. sure. Yeah. Um, let them kind of, um, what do they call that? Age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Age a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 2020, we're, we're coming 2020, up, and, and it's going to be, it's a, it's a fascinating year. Um, and I wanted to ask you, since we're here, as far as, I imagine there's things that that, um, that you're seeing for 2020, but also, I'm also wondering about things maybe that Bob saw in 2020, and I'm wondering, oh. I'm wondering some of the, if anything kind of comes to mind as far as some insight. And because I, I think that if we can kind of know what the Lord has in his heart for 2020, yeah. we can begin preparing now and really get, really run into the new year with a certain amount of momentum instead of trying to gear up <clears throat> mo- momentum prophetically once January 1st hits. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think that we are going to, one thing that was in the Shepherd's Rod for 2019, and I see it really swinging over, I mean, just starting then yeah. but it really is the the justice of god and the judges that's it it's the judges oh interesting we need judges interesting. righteous judges coming forth <clears throat> and some like deborah you know there'll be women as well as men but and that's uh on a governmental levels for uh, or is that really just for the for the church well i was thinking and. for the for the church okay yeah but you know <laughs> um I see that that plumb line yeah. really being defined. Wow. Okay. The plumb line really being defined because That's good. We, it can't, it's got to be, there has to be a balance, mm-hmm. you know. And I think you're going to see a change, a right change in government. Our, I, I do believe, you know, President Trump will go forth um, and be our president another term yeah you know yeah but i do think there's going to be change in government interesting yeah and in the government of god you know but yeah um back when i'm going to speak this about 2020 Mm -hmm. because back in um 16 when president trump when he was running then Prior to that, like a year before he announced, the Lord said, the devil thinks he has an ace in the hole, but I'm going to trump the devil's ace. Yeah, and I yeah. didn't know what he meant. you know. Right, and then right. later, you know, Trump announces, well, okay. And then he showed me the, he showed me the Trump card. It was President McKinley. He showed me Trump's hand. And the card, it was a face card, but it was that of William McKinley. Wow. I'm like, Lord, he said, like William McKinley, Donald Trump is the dark horse that'll come from behind to win the election. And that's why I had to go to Ohio and wake up Ohio. Wow. Once Ohio, once we took Ohio, you know, then the other states fell into place. Well, the thing is, when the Lord showed me William McKinley, the Trump card, okay, and I began to pray into that. See, William McKinley, he was from my hometown, Canton, Ohio. Oh, wow. And he ran his campaign like not like a politician, but like that of a businessman. Oh, interesting. And he won the election, which changed the face of the Republican Party for 38 years. Interesting. But here's, a sec- here's the thing. He was president four years. when After he had started, I think it was the second year of his second term, he was assassinated. Oh, wow. So that put me into the right prayer. I really sought the Lord for the right verbiage to pray back to him to release those words into the air that 
that Donald Trump would win the election and he would have a success he'd have a successful campaign win the election and complete like William McKinley unlike William McKinley he would complete his second term wow amen amen yeah. amen so because unfortunately <laughs> William McKinley didn't but yeah. i really do believe president trump will be successful you know he is God's choice. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's fascinating what he's been able to accomplish in light of in, in light of what I would <clears throat> consider to probably be unprecedented resistance. Right. I think that the scholars will probably one day say that 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 don't that President Trump led in a in just a time of unprecedented and perhaps maybe even unjustified resistance. It's amazing. Yeah. I, is I I heard somebody explaining that um and this was before the election. And everybody was predict, predicting that Hillary was going to be the president, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everybody was, everybody was like, yeah, Trump's giving a run for their money, but Hillary's probably, you know, yeah. at, um, within the major cultural kind of narrative. Yeah, I heard someone say, uh, I think that I think that uh, that everybody's misunderstanding or miss, um, I, I don't think people appreciate uh who Trump actually is because everybody's looking at him like a politician. Right. But he's not. Yeah. Like he's a businessman. So when you think about a businessman, how a businessman does a deal, right? Right. So the businessman goes into a into a into a meeting and wants a hundred thousand dollars, he's not gonna ask for a hundred thousand dollars. He's gonna go in and ask for three. Right. Be, you know, because yeah, when absolutely. he leaves the meeting with a hundred thousand, the other people are gonna think that they won. But Absolutely. the businessman won because he left with a hundred thousand. Says yeah. politicians will never go in and ask for three hundred thousand yeah. because um, because they'll look crazy. And he says, I, I don't think that people appreciate people hear Trump saying all these ridiculous stuff, but it's because he's going to be satisfied when he leaves the table with a hundred thousand. Yeah. So he said, um, all these politicians they're trying to compete against him mm-hmm. as politicians, which is like you say what you mean, you mean what you say to, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not President Trump. He's going in as a businessman, which means he's going to come in looking ridiculous and he's going to be satisfied when he leaves the table. And it I is. thought that was fascinating. It you is, know? it is, yeah. He's a man after God's heart. That's the thing. He may not say things, you know, like maybe we think he should say, sure, sure. you know. But he says what he means, and he means what he says, you yeah. know, and that's what the Lord loves. Yeah. You know, he is a man after God's heart. So, yeah. yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see what see what happens. We're just in, a, just in a very interesting time when it comes to um, the government within our country, mm-hmm. the government within the church. Like, right. it's a very interesting thing that God's doing right now. Yeah. And it's and we're just kind of all, like, as far as me, like, I know I'm a, a participator as a young person within the kingdom, so I'm yeah. participating, trying to walk it out with a certain level of of humility, knowing that humility is a key for longevity <laughs> in ministry. <Amen>. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a participator, yep. but I'm also kind of a, an observer, yeah. seeing kind of everything that's taking place within the kingdom and within our country. Yeah. And because it's a fascinating time to be alive. It is. I mean, and God chose us for now. Is Amen. that amazing? Amen. Is that just amazing? But, you know, I think, um, I think 2020 is going to be an important year. But I look at 2021 as being even more important. Oh, really? Yeah. I know Bob looked at two, two, well, 2020 you know, as vision. You okay. It'll be a yeah. time of great vision. And um, the harvest, you know, he saw the harvest is really starting in 2012, which I think we've seen that in each year continuing. Mm-hmm. And maybe we may see it different 
or want it to be different, you know. Yeah. But there is continuously coming in worldwide, okay? But 2021 in this nation, what the Lord has shown me is that there's hidden places, okay? What we may look as being insignificant. You know, we look for the big town, Seattle, Charlotte, you know, um, Knoxville, you know, something, a bigger city, L.A., but it's those hidden, it's those hidden towns, okay? Because it's the amount of light. You might have a, a big congregation, you know, 50,000 people attending or 5,000, you know. Yeah. But there can be little light. And as we talked about earlier, the leadership, you know, I mean, what comes down from leadership is going to be filtered right. through the body. But you have good leadership. You have a good body put together. There may only be 100 people. That's right. But they're full of fire. And that's what you're going to see, a lot of hidden places. I believe that you're going to see a lot of the homeless, you know. We need to minister to those homeless that's right. people. That's right. You know, and we need to get, we in the body need to get over our offenses. Wow. Because some of those people, they don't look so good and they don't smell so good, you know. That's right. But can we love them? See, if we really have the fullness of the Godhead in us, which is love, mm-hmm. Then we can embrace those dirty, smelly people. That's good. You know? I That's mean, good. We need to, you know, we need to do that. They, they, why are they homeless? You know, I mean, it's it's a kind of an epidemic anymore. Certain places. Yeah. Oh, especially Seattle. Seattle's bad. Portland's really bad. You yeah. Know? yeah. I remember yeah. one time um, Bob was too sick to fly into Seattle, and you guys uh, Skyped into one right. of our conferences, yeah. uh-huh. and you guys had a word for us regarding a special grace um, for freedom or a special deliverance anointing that was going to come yeah. uh, to bring freedom to the captives, specifically to, the, to those who are in the captivity of homelessness mm-hmm. and ensnared to various addiction. So I'm just right. being reminded of that right now as you're as you're talking, because yeah, we have a major responsibility within the kingdom to get some solutions, yeah. and certainly a grace for deliverance would be is 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 really needed. It is because all those people. I mean, honest, they are somebody's child, mm-hmm. right? That's right. That's and, right. And wow. they need to be. You know, God. God chose them to be alive at this time, too. That's right. That's and I true. I don't think it's his heart for them to live on the street. Now, some choose to live on the street, but for various reasons, I'm sure. You know, but I think when they really know the love of the Lord, you know, you might be putting cots up in the in the church for housing. Yeah. Yeah, know? that's right. That's right. And that's what we did in Alaska. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, wow. I mean, you know. And that's Alaska. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The last frontier. Now that's a place that's going to be on fire. That's right. In yeah. Alaska. Alaska. Huh? Yeah, yeah. A least likely place, right? Yeah. There's been some interesting. There's been some in- interesting revivals in Alaska o- o- mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah. And so, but see, we need more than just revival. Amen. amen. I always think re- revival. If you're reviving something that's dead, right? <laughs> but and we need. Bob would always say it needs to be restoration. Wow. That's right. You know, that's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's so our our heart is is to be a restoration center, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was I, I was really kind of wrecked and like in my own teen, teenage years and the brokenness that we that of our family and everything. So I was kind of wrecked in 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 our place, but yeah. it's also within our place where I was actually restored. True. And so yeah. knowing that um, 
that we have an obligation not just in Seattle and not just at our place but really within the kingdom that's mm-hmm. the storyline of the Bible that's right you have creation the fall redemption but it all leads to the restoration yeah, yeah so that's so good Bonnie restoration yeah. of all things amen yeah. amen yeah. Hey, yeah. so so appreciate you and just uh, ma- making time. I know you drove here, uh, you know, from Charlotte, and you got to drive yeah. ahead of you and everything. But yeah, I, I so great. appreciate you making this time, and um, it's so neat to kind of be here and just on 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 site on with site, yeah. you know, Bob's not here, you know, Bob's oh. somewhere else. But um, you know, uh, but there's there's something really precious about this about this property. There, there is, and you know, I, I heard Pastor White saying this morning about fill in this field wouldn't that be awesome it sure would you know i mean it's it's set up it's ready to go and, and there's a vision for for it to be for this to be an amphitheater absolutely out, out here yeah 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 i believe that it will it will happen amen yeah i mean bob bob boy saw the forty thousand coming to morningstar you know and wow. they did away with the property down there wow i'm, I'm not saying morningstar did but yeah the people who owned all that property around there sold everything mm. off, and there's, you know, so I, I, perhaps it will be here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've I've actually heard people that have studied the numbers because there's been I, uh, the different opinions regarding the billion soul harvest, mm-hmm. and um, and people saying, well, why didn't Bob get to see that, or when is the billion soul harvest going to begin? But I know that when people have run the numbers. Um, that we are well over a harvest of, of oh, a billion yeah. souls since that word was giving. So now people are kind of recontextualizing that word, saying like, no, right. that was just really... So I, I think that that's actually kind of... For people that are well, waiting for that billion harvest to begin, like well, we've, we've actually begun. already re- yeah. reached a billion yeah. since it and, was given. And you know, when Bob was given that word back in 1975, um, the Lord said to him that he would live to see the beginning mm-hmm. of the billion soul harvest. Now, he died in 14. But the last two, probably two years of his life, what the Lord was gracious and did was he would bring people, because Bob couldn't travel very far anymore. Yeah. He would bring people to us, like Terry Law, mm. who went into Russia, took the gospel into Russia and the music and what have you. Wow. And Terry came to us, and he told us how many hundreds of thousands of people came to the Lord through his ministry, wow. which is the word you gave me, okay? And diff- different ones came wow. from around the world. Wow. So that alone, Bob saw the beginning of the harvest in a way that he wasn't anticipating, mm-hmm. okay? He was hoping to see stadiums filled. Yeah. But... You know, he did see that through a different lens, but now he's going to see the whole thing. You know, he's got the best view in the house, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I don't feel bad about that. I really don't. And um, well, when we invited you to come, you guys had no idea who we, who you we were, and I and I got permission from Bobby to name drop Bobby's name when I wrote to you. But I just said, <laughs> yeah. hey, would you pray about coming to Seattle? And at that time, it had been over twenty years since Bob had ministered on the west side of the mountains, right. yeah. and and he was invited by all kinds of really good friends of his to come and minister. And you'd always right. tell him no. So when you guys wrote back and said that the, that you'd heard from the Lord to come and to minister in the Seattle area, right. uh, good friends of Bob's, yeah, um, Day Young. Him and oh, Steve yeah. List, Absolutely. they contacted me and said, "How did you get Bob to say yes?" And I said, "I didn't get Bob. I just asked if if, if you guys would pray." Yeah. But I I pr- and, and there's been a lot of theory. You know, Jeff Jansen said that's because. 
Bob hurt. That's because he was sent there to activate your angels. You know, could you know could be also. There's a lot of angelic stuff that took place when you guys came. Yeah. But I I actually really believe that there was something there starts to be a partner in harvest that Absolutely. that you guys came and released. Um, that anointing for uh, you know into our place in context and region mm -hmm. because Seattle is a very critical pioneering region that has to be captured not just with a Christian paradigm with a kingdom paradigm that's it that's um, the key yeah it's going to be a major city of distribution and kingdom creativity like Bob released I thought mm -hmm. that was such a cool word that, that we got yeah. yesterday about Seattle and I kingdom know. creativity and, yeah, but I think that's why you guys came I think that, that yeah. there was something about really honoring um, that prophet office mm -hmm. and and the reward associated with when you honor a prophet. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, Bonnie, I, I so honor you and, and who you are, the gift you are, like I said, not just to, to Bob, but just the gift that you are to the kingdom of God. And uh, and thanks again for making this time and, and the place oh, to be able wonderful. to, to do this. This was fun. This was fun. Absolutely wonderful. Awesome, awesome, And awesome. you're so cute to look at. Ah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you look and you look amazing. I couldn't, oh. when, I, when I saw you the other day. I can't I, believe I, I'm 85, can you? You're not 85. <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, what? <laughs> you got this glow. Yeah, uh, this incredible well, glow. People have told me that this weekend, so I don't know. It must yeah. be the glory of it's God. It's the glory, Just Bonnie. On me. Okay, well, I'll keep take trucking, it. keep dreaming, uh, keep sharing, uh, and and awesome. and um, and and can't wait to do this this again in Seattle. Okay, sounds good. All right, awesome. All right. Blessings. Love you. Thank you. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market, and I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible, and you're so supportive, and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.